The Velvet Hammer, an inside look at trial lawyer life with Karen Kohler. Real life stories about fighting the good fight. All right, well, uh, today we are getting ready for a TV interview, and while the camera guy's setting up, I grabbed the very famous, well-known, well-awarded, highly respected, eminent... <laughs> Senior news reporter from King 5, Susanna Frame. Hello, Karen, and thanks for having me. I literally walked into your office and you said, do you want to do a podcast? That was 30 seconds ago. 30. Okay, just so that they can get the idea of how special you look, I have three beautiful black beaded bracelets on my arm, but you have more. I do. And I also have um, like Tibetan type prayer beads on my right hand, which is what you kind of have. On your left. Yes, but you've definitely have outdone me in the jewelry department yeah. today. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, and you have black fingernails, which I'm very, very envious of. <laughs> it's um, Lincoln Park After Dark. It's my favorite nail polish color. Okay, I have some very non-newsish questions to ask. Okay. Um, how long have you been a reporter? For about 35 years. Oh, my God. I took a small break. What did you do? I moved to New York City and I worked for a nonprofit, a foundation uh, called the Samaya Foundation, and it was dedicated to um, furthering, um, preserving, I should say, Tibetan culture, religion, and oh, arts. Wow. And so, literally, what I did for about a year and a half is follow the Dalai Lama around. Oh, wow. I know. And that year that I got that job or took that job, my uncle started the foundation. Um, a few weeks after I accepted the job, I moved to New York and it was announced that the Dalai Lama had won the Nobel Peace Prize. When it, was this? Well, it would have been in 90, 89, 90, because it was right after Tiananmen Square. Wow. And I think that's why he got it that year. Did you get to see him? Oh, yeah. Many times. Did you like shake his hand? Are you oh, I've met him many times. Did he ever, well, I mean, how would he say your name? He calls me niece because he knows my uncle. And so he would say, niece, niece, that camera too big for you. <laughs> <laughs> He's adorable. So yes. do, do the words of wisdom just emanate out of his pores? Yes. He's everything that you see on the TV and, you know, when he makes appearances. Was there a favorite phrase that he said other than your name that you'll, you'll just never ever forget? Or was it just the whole experience? I think I really liked his humbleness. I mean, he would always say, I'm just a simple monk. I'm just a simple monk. <laughs> Where you have throngs of people, wow. thousands of people, especially if they were Tibetans yeah. living in exile in whatever country we were yeah. in you know, treating him like a deity, you know, in their minds, that's what he is. But he doesn't see himself that way. I just, I just think he's fabulous. Well, when you started your news career, it was a big deal to be a reporter, let alone a TV reporter. And the news, I think, had a different status than it currently has in the public perception. What do you think? Am I right in that regard? Oh, sure. Especially, um, especially, you know, Cable news networks and, and the networks in general are, get a bad rap. And some of that is very justified. I mean, come on. They've realized they need to make a buck somehow. And so you have Fox way over on one side and CNBC and CNN 
way over on the other. And I can see how that would easily polarize someone. And I always tell, you know, I, I, I try not to be very political um, in my job. Uh, but I always tell people that I really don't watch any news um, other than online. And when I do have that experience, I just find that they're on the on the big national uh, platforms that there's a lot of shouting going on by the reporters. Like they don't talk in normal voices. It's very shouting. Yeah. Are you are you watching cable? Whatever it is, like I mean, like MSNBC or CNN yeah, or oh, they're whatever oh, I turn on CNBC, they're all shouting. Anything. It's there's just a lot of shouting going on, and I always tell people when they tell me how mad they are at the news, I'm like, do you listen to your local news? I get all my news from the local news. I I, I repeat that because like, how can you make up that you know Sally Bob down the street, you know, got run over by a pickup truck? Right, and that's that. We know that that is our mission. We know that our mission is to serve our local communities. And that's the reason I personally go to work every day. I'm lucky enough to work in the King 5 investigative unit where that's what we do. We are public servants and we are advocacy journalism. And we we don't have to be balanced. We have to be right and we have to be fair. But there, you know, in our unit, we, we do take positions and the position is based on truth and the truth in our case is always based on records. So we feel very confident about what we're doing and that we are um, working in service to the public. Now, the greater mission of the newsroom is to you know, just tell people what happened in their local communities that day. I think we're doing that. But the biggest difference in my career, that mission has always been there, but it's the way we get it out to people. You said you don't watch the news. We know very few people are going, oh, hey, it's five o'clock. I better go sit down and watch the news. They are, where is our audience? Their, our audience is on their phone. And so we know that our online platforms, online platforms are where people are um, consuming our product. And we need to do a better job of getting and delivering that product in, in those ways and make it as accessible as possible. And we're constantly working on that. How did you learn how to talk? Fluidly? intelligently as you do (laughs) (laughs) what do you mean i mean i think you talk really well like where did you you. learn that did you just learn it on your own you were you know just you were born talking (laughs) hi mom hi dad i'm here and never stopped or i mean how did you learn i don't know i guess i have always been talkative i probably should have taken some elocution lessons um I'm from Yakima, so I have a little bit, there's some words I say that I know I have a little like weird Yakima twang, but no, I don't know. Just, you're an attorney. Attorneys are so well-spoken and you are are one of them. We are definitely blabbermouth. Okay, so you're on stories and something terrible has happened, or you're speaking to someone who is just telling you this terrible story. How do you not cry on camera, especially when you're live? I think that especially when we're live and you're under a deadline, whether you're live or you're crunching it out, banging it out, having to get your product ready because the news goes on at a very specific time. There's no wiggle room. In those cases, it's easy not to cry during the interview or when you're rewatching the tapes or when you're talking about it because you have such a job to do and you have to keep your focus on that 
product on meeting that deadline. And so you kind of become a machine. And I think I speak for most reporters when there's just no time to even bring your emotion into it. But in my job, I don't really have those kinds of deadlines because I work on long-term projects. And I do cry during interviews sometimes. I just can't help it. I, I, I'm the same way. I, yeah, I mean, I'm not just like a total like ball baby or anything, but I definitely will cry. I mean, it's hard not to, especially when the humanity and humanity involved is so gut wrenching. And most of the stories I do, you know, we're uncovering bad guys, right? But at the heart of the nefarious behavior that we're uncovering, or patterns, or government corruption, or whatever, is always a human story. Almost always, I can think of a few cases of pretty prominent series that I've done, like the one on the ferry system, that didn't necessarily, they didn't really have uh, a heart and soul type of thing. It was just really, I think, important reporting on how our state of Washington was wasting millions of dollars through our iconic ferry system, right? But in most stories, like the last five years covering Hanford, no. it all gets down to a human experience so and human suffering. So let's talk about Hanford. Um, first of all, you won a really big award for that. I did. I won, um, well, two weeks ago, I won a national Emmy in New York City for that. And What does that mean? Like, who's there watching you get the award, and what did that mean to you? Oh, my gosh. I was so surprised, um, mainly because it was the fifth time I've been nominated for a national Emmy, and I've lost every time. So I just assume I'm going to lose. So I was very surprised. It meant a lot to me because... Um, I was proud of that work. It was for a very specific series I did called Sick and Forgotten Hanford, which exposed um, callous disregard for workers who get sick in, in the systematic denial of their worker compensation claims and the lies that were told to keep them in the dark about their illnesses and so forth. So, and, and we got a really important law changed just last year. Um, the, Governor Inslee signed this bill into law that now gives sick Hanford workers a much needed leg up in getting their claims accepted. I've seen, I'm seeing people now who've been fighting uh, labor and industries and the Department of Energy, which owns Hanford for 12 years to get a claim through denial, 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 and now they're getting accepted. I mean, how does that make you feel? Like, oh my gosh. Put away this, the award. Okay, you get this national award you didn't expect. Everybody that you could ever imagine is there applauding you, and that's a pinnacle of, of uh, hope as far as a professional recognition. But which one was more important to you, getting that award or really saving lives? Oh, my gosh. I, I, I am so thrilled when we see a positive result that is in service to the public. And I'm going to be honest. Usually the results aren't that Big. I mean, that's a big result when you get a, a law changed and it will, I think, save lives or at least help people to cope with the, the cruel way that they were treated and the suffering that they have because of it. But um, we do usually get a result. We do in our unit. And I, that is what I'm most proud of. Absolutely. When Governor Inslee signed that thing into law and he I couldn't believe this. This is a very non politician like of him at the, at the moment in the moment 
There's all these reporters, all these people in the room. And he thanked me and King Five publicly for pushing this issue forward. And I I cried then. That was so meaningful to me. I love that day. Okay, I'm going to give you some really quick um, questions, and you're going to give me one word or two word answers. Ready? Favorite governor ever? Booth Gardner. Favorite Seattle mayor? Um, Jenny Durkin. Favorite philanthropist? Man. Um, oh my gosh. Bill Gates. <laughs> Best building design? Seattle Public Library. Worst building design? Um... McMahon Hall at the University of Washington. Oh, my daughter and I were just talking about Isn't that. Isn't it horrible? It's like, this is disgusting. It's got to go. It's so ugly. Awful. Um, favorite food? Oh, my gosh. Okay, I'm going to ask you the question I ask everybody. If you could live on two foods, just two, and they would keep you completely healthy, it doesn't matter. Um, the reality of what they would do to you doesn't matter. <laughs> In this world, you could live on just two items. What would those two items be? Bread and salted olive oil. Well, that's pretty good. Mine were mine are French fries and raspberries, but yours Ooh. actually go together. Yeah, I I would dip it in there. <laughs> it's a really crusty, like awesome bread. Favorite restaurant? Oh, I don't go out very much. But um, why not? I don't know. You know, I I do know. I'll tell you why. Because I like to cook, oh. and so does my husband. Where do you um? What favorite, favorite grocery store? I love Trader Joe's. Oh my gosh. Maybe they will like hear this and be so happy. I love Trader Joe's. All right. Um, favorite neighborhood? Mm. In Seattle? Anywhere. I love... Um, Tribeca in New York City. What is it about it? I hear a lot of things about that. Well, I lived and worked there twice. I, I went to school in New York City my senior year, and then I went back and worked for the Tibetan Foundation. Um, I just love downtown New York. I like it so much better than being at Midtown. There just aren't as many people around. Really interesting shops and people, people watching, the fashion. Um it's just like understated. So being here primarily for most of your career, mm-hmm. were you born here? Yakima. Oh, yeah, right. Yakima. Yeah. What do you think about this transformation that is Seattle? I hear a lot of people complain about what has happened to Seattle. And we were in the thick of it in South Lake Union. King Broadcasting was there. We were the only people there. It was us, a bunch of warehouses, and one delicatessen called Slices. It was filthy dirty, but that's the only place we had to go was the deli Slices. And now, I mean, come on, it's its own city. But I like it. I am proud of our city for growing up and being with the big boys and accommodating growth, trying to accommodate growth. I know the traffic is horrible. I do my best to just try to travel on off times. I'm lucky that I have a flexible schedule like that. But other than that, I, I'm embracing it. I'm not going to complain about it. I think, I think we're doing a good job. And 
It's why our housing, I think, isn't as horrible as it is in San Francisco, because we're not afraid to build and to add the units that people need. I would say, though, that um, so I just was spending some time in um, some other cities for traveling and uh, we need a little bit more better architecture going up. Yeah, they're kind of slapping them up. They really are. It's kind of like in 15 years or 20 years when they're not new anymore, they're going to be old boxes instead of no new boxes. Right. It's going to look like McMahon Hall at the UW. <laughs> oh, God. Or the old business school at the UW. I mean, yeah, it looks like it's straight out of Beirut. It's bad. Well, so um, what is your what, what do you like to do for when you're not working? Which, oh, and by the way, how much do you have to work? Tell us. I, I work full time, yeah. you know, um, during busy times, it's not uncommon for me to be there till midnight, one, two in the morning. Oh, yeah. Uh, because our, well, our stories, when, when they're on, are usually on at night, like 11 o'clock news. And then I have extra work to do after that, and I'm awake. So, um, you know, I just do what needs to be done. And some, some weeks that might be a little less than 40 hours, and some weeks it's 70, yeah. 80 yeah. But I, I enjoy it. It's actually fun. I and, can tell. And I've been there for so long. I just got the most hideous email. It was awful. Congratulations. <laughs> it's your 30-year anniversary with King Broadcasting. That's amazing. I'm like, no way. They're wrong. The math is all wrong. <laughs> it's wrong, people. And then I realized they're ca I was in Spokane before this, and that's owned by King Broadcasting. So... I haven't been here that long, but that was a shocking figure. Most of the people in our newsroom aren't even 30 years old. Well, before we go, because your cameraman just waved at us, we're almost ready for this story. Can you just tell me, where do you want to be in five years? You know, I've been thinking a lot about that lately. If I could pick anything, I think it'd be awesome in five years to be living in another country for a short period of time. Like I, a sabbatical kind of Yeah, thing. I speak Spanish. I would love to go live in a Spanish-speaking country. Um, that's definitely one of my life goals. I don't know if that's in five years or, or 10. I mean, if King, King Broadcasting, King TV has been so amazing to me. I've had so many amazing bosses and I have great bosses right now that that really support what we do. And that hasn't happened at all the stations in town. I feel really bad for them. At Como, they got rid of their entire investigative unit. They were a really great community resource. They uncovered a lot of stuff that we didn't. Good for them. And so we are lucky. And, and I'm also lucky to have people like you who are willing to call me and trust me with your stories. Because, well, they're not stories to you. They're cases. Because, again... Each one of your story or cases, Karen, it comes down to a human being, usually at their lowest point in their life. And you want to make sure that their story is told fairly and appropriately. So I appreciate you thinking of me and telling me about this story that I won't say what it is right now, yeah. but we're working on it. And it'll air in a little bit. Well, one thing I, wanted, I do want to add is the, the thing that I've learned from being able to know people in the press and work on stories with them is that there is such a thing as the power of the press. And one of the things that I noticed being the power is that the other side will talk to you. Um, they will give you their position, even if it's not much. Um, 
they, they normally will talk to you, whereas a lot of times they won't ever talk to me. Um, but you're able to get things and answers that, uh, you know, I'd have to file a lawsuit to get. Uh, that's interesting. It, it is. It's true, especially with the government. Well, they have, yeah, it's pretty tough for them to say no comment. And they used to mm-hmm. way back in the day. DSHS would just tell you to, you know, go fly a kite. And they really don't anymore. They'll talk. As I, they should. I, I think mean, they, why do we need to have all these secrets? Right. I do feel like most government agencies at the end of the day will will talk to us. Well, I want to, before we sign off, I just want to tell you that I am a huge admirer. That Thank your reputation you. in the community is you are at the pinnacle of what people should aspire to be when they're being reporters. You've made a big difference in our state, and I just thank you for all of your work and dedication. Thank you. But I really appreciate that. But let me tell you, it it's taken the village. It, I'm the one on TV, but I, I have so many great people that support me and work with me, including the cameraman that was just giving us the high five signal. <laughs> Get in here right His, his name is Ryan Coe. He's super shy. He wouldn't like me even saying his name, but he's, he's wonderful. He brought in like two, <laughs> a Costco cart and then another suitcase cart. He's like totally loaded down. Yeah, we got the Hollywood set. <laughs> Right. bringing it to you Make me look good all right Susanna thank you so much thanks for having me I want to come back someday please do okay over now